Should new moms nurse their babies? You may have heard pros and cons about breastfeeding, but what are the facts? What about the risk of coronavirus? We boil it all down on this edition of Here for Your Health. Welcome to the Healthcare District of Palm Beach County's podcast, Here for Your Health. I'm your host, Robin Kish. The Healthcare District is a unique healthcare system located in Palm Beach County, Florida. Did you know the healthcare district provides county residents access to primary care, skilled nursing, and hospital care? Or that we staff registered nurses in nearly all of our public schools? Or that we fly, maintain, and operate the county's two life saving Trauma Hawk air ambulances? Through all of these programs, the healthcare district serves as the healthcare safety net for Palm Beach County. On this edition of Here for Your Health, we'll discuss the benefits of breastfeeding for moms and babies. We'll also separate fact from fiction so parents understand why what they've heard about nursing infants may or may not be true. Our guest today is Dr. Anna Ferwerda, Medical Director of the C.L. Brumbach Primary Care Clinics, operated by the Healthcare District of Palm Beach County. Welcome, Dr. Ferwerda. Thanks for having me, Robin. Dr. Ferwerda, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends exclusive breastfeeding for the first six months of a child's life and then ongoing breastfeeding while parents introduce complementary foods until one year or older. Now with COVID-19 transmission being such a big concern, is it safe for moms to breastfeed? It is. So many of our professional organizations like the WHO, ACOG have put out opinions on whether it's safe for moms to breastfeed even if they are positive for COVID-19. And the benefits of breastfeeding significantly outweigh the risks for them. So if a mom was potentially positive for COVID-19, they should take precautions, wash their hands, wear a mask, and practice proper hygiene to make sure that they don't transmit it to their infant. But they definitely should consider breastfeeding as their first option for feeding. Dr. Ferwerda, your background as an OBGYN translates to your patients now. You're providing women's health care, and I'm sure you're telling your patients, many of them who are expectant moms, what to do regarding nursing their own children. I do. It's important to start the conversation early in the pregnancy and to explain to new and expectant moms who may not have experience with breastfeeding within their families or their social situations that breastfeeding is good for them as well as for their baby. And it's the perfect food made by nature for babies. It will change to meet the baby's nutritional requirements as the infant grows. And it is protective for the baby against some short and long-term illnesses and diseases. So I always recommend that they exclusively breastfeed for at least the first six months as much as possible. And just to go back to something you had said earlier, that it's okay if mom is COVID positive, she can still continue breastfeeding her baby? Yes. The current recommendation from ACOG and the World Health Organization is to continue breastfeeding even if the patient is COVID positive. You should follow proper hygiene, so hand washing and wearing a face mask when you're in contact with the infant as long as you're positive for COVID-19. But Since the benefits significantly outweigh the risks, mothers should continue to breastfeed their infants as long as possible. What are some of the illnesses that breastfeeding protects against? Babies who have been breastfed tend to have a lower risk of asthma, obesity, type 1 diabetes, ear infection, uh, SIDS or sudden infant death syndrome, and they tend to have less GI infections like diarrhea and vomiting. Moms who breastfeed also benefit, don't they? There's a significant benefit for moms who breastfeed. 
if you breastfeed, it helps you reach your pre-pregnancy weight much faster. It decreases your risk of breast cancer, ovarian cancer, type 2 diabetes, and high blood pressure. With all these benefits, you'd think that moms would be more inclined to nurse their infants, but it's not something that we are born knowing how to do. Personally, I learned how to nurse thanks to a team of dedicated maternity nurses who taught me after I delivered my first child while I was still in the hospital. And not only did I learn how to get my newborn to latch on, I also learned how to pump so I could store and freeze my milk. It takes a lot of time, effort, and dedication to commit to nursing, and for some moms, it's really difficult. Dr. Ferwerda, what are some of the challenges that mothers face? The biggest challenge that mothers face is not inherently knowing how to breastfeed and babies who don't know how to breastfeed immediately. So it can be challenging to establish that connection with the baby and make sure that everyone's doing what they're supposed to. Hospitals in the last few years have been very helpful in hiring more lactation consultants that can provide support and instruction while patients are hospitalized. And there are special community programs, even in Palm Beach County, that provide extra support to patients and and new moms while they're learning to breastfeed and, and can help them become more comfortable with doing it. We at our hospital in Belglade, Lakeside Medical Center, and at the primary care clinics, we can refer or provide help from certified lactation counselors so that new moms can learn how to nurse their baby and figure out a few tips and tricks of how to make things go a little bit more smoothly. And that support is critical, especially in certain areas of the country, like here in South Florida. According to national survey results published in 2018 by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, infants living in the Southeast are less likely to be breastfed at six months than infants who live in other areas of the country. In addition, infants in rural areas are less likely to ever breastfeed than infants living in urban areas. And the survey results also found that fewer non-Hispanic black infants are breastfed compared with non-Hispanic white infants and Hispanic infants. And younger mothers between the ages of 20 to 29 years are less likely to ever breastfeed than mothers who are 30 years or older. Why do some of these disparities exist, do you think? This is something my patients struggle with on a daily basis. I think there are a lot of racial and ethnic disparities when it comes to breastfeeding. And a lot of it has to do with support in the work environment. A lot of patients are not able to have a long enough maternity leave to really establish that bond with the infant and continue to really kind of become proficient at breastfeeding. And with a really quick return to work, it also makes it difficult that many of them don't have adequate spaces and the time to to pump and then to save the milk or don't have access to refrigerators where they can store the milk while they're at work. So some of the biggest problems that they really face are really logistical problems that tend to cause a lot of difficulty for them to both pump and save their milk for their babies as well as a lot of times family support or preconceived ideas about formula being superior to breast milk, which over the last few years, I think we've really dispelled that myth. Yes, and there are also some concerns about infants' nutrition and weight. That's probably the most common question I get from new moms is how do I know my baby is getting enough milk because I can't measure how much breast milk I'm producing. 
And, and that is really difficult to quantify. It's much easier to measure how much you're giving a baby in a formula bottle, right? So most of the time what I tell patients is new babies who are breastfed will probably lose a few ounces of weight in their first days of life. Once they've really established breastfeeding, they should gain between four and seven ounces in that first month. But the really critical thing to watch to make sure that the baby's getting enough milk is the number of diapers that they're wetting. So if your baby is wetting between six and eight diapers per day, you can be sure that your baby is getting enough um, nutrition from the breast milk without having to measure out ounces and knowing exactly how much is coming out every couple of hours when the baby is feeding. For the first six months, gaining a pound or two each month is considered healthy. And then between seven and 12 months of age, a pound a month is adequate. Breastfed babies can also gain up to an inch in length each month during the first year of life. And your baby will probably go through several two to four day growth spurt periods. So during this time, you may notice that the baby wants to eat more or almost around the clock. Should you ever wake a sleeping baby to breastfeed? No. Most of the time, your baby will wake you and be ready to eat every two and a half to three hours. Every baby is different. And I've had patients who say that every hour and a half, their baby wants to eat. And some that say their baby wants to eat every four hours. But typically... You should just let the baby rest when they're asleep and feed them when they are hungry. And there's actually a motion that the baby makes with his or her mouth also that shows they're ready to eat sometimes. I remember that. So babies have a, a reflex, like a rooting reflex, inherent in all human babies that kind of lets you know that they're going to latch or that they can. When should a mother refrain from breastfeeding? So there are actually very few situations where a mother should refrain from breastfeeding. Since breast milk provides really the best nutrition for most babies, including premature and sick newborns, unless you have HIV infection or active varicella or even active um, herpes lesions on the breast, you should be able to breastfeed. One question I get pretty commonly is, can patients with substance use disorder continue to breastfeed? And the answer is if they are on a maintenance medication like Subutex or Suboxone, they can continue to breastfeed. And it's actually encouraged because the the benefits of the breast milk really do outweigh any risks from the medication. So my advice would be as well that all moms check with their doctor, especially if they have any underlying medical conditions or take any medications before deciding that they're going to either breastfeed or stop breastfeeding. And to that point, the CDC has a complete listing of those exceptions and medications on their website at www.cdc.gov breastfeeding. The website even addresses breastfeeding in the new coronavirus or COVID-19. Here's a question that I had back in the day. How long does breast milk stay good in the refrigerator, stored in the freezer, and on the counter? Mm-hmm. That's a very good question. So according to the American Academy of Pediatrics, Containers that are covered can stay on a table in room temperature no higher than 77 degrees for up to four hours. It's important that you keep it in a cool temperature. Um, Any leftover milk after you fed the babies should be discarded within two hours of the last feeding. And you can store breast milk in the refrigerator or in the freezer. In the refrigerator, it'll last at least four hours. In the freezer, it can last six to 12 months, but you probably want to use it at the six-month mark as 
if possible. What should moms be eating when they're nursing their baby? And do they need to increase how many calories they're consuming? What's really interesting about this is to maintain a pregnancy, you only need about 300 extra calories a day. And to breastfeed, you can even expend up to 500 extra calories a day. So you need to make sure to eat healthy foods like um, lots of fruits and vegetables, apples, bananas, whole grain breads, peanut butter are great options to supplement your calories. But overall, focusing on making healthy choices to help fuel milk production, as well as uh, to consider that that's what your baby is going to be receiving. So protein-rich foods like meats, eggs, dairy, beans, and lentils and foods that are low in mercury. So diet very similar to what you may have had in pregnancy and sticking to two portions of fish per week. Um, And then choose a variety of whole grains as well as fruits and vegetables and make sure to wash any fruits and vegetables to reduce any exposure to pesticides or bacteria. That's really good advice. And I remember clearly adjusting my diet when my newborn had colic so that I reduced foods that potentially cause gas. I was told that when you nurse, what you eat, the baby also eats. How do you know when to make changes to your diet? So that's a a great question and, and an issue that a lot of new moms have. The baby's pediatrician can really help guide you and give you good feedback to know if your baby is having adequate bowel movements, if you're wanting enough diapers and those kinds of things, and also to make sure that your food choices are appropriate for the baby's growth. And the CDC also lists helpful resources. As I mentioned, as does floridahealth.gov, womenshealth.gov slash breastfeeding, and La Leche League International at LLLI.org. Trained volunteers provide one-on-one help to breastfeeding mothers on the phone and conduct monthly group support meetings. You can call 1-800-LA-LECHE. And Dr. Ferwerda, before we wrap up in light of COVID-19, what is your top tip overall when it comes to staying well? I think practicing proper hand hygiene is probably the most important thing that we can do to reduce any transmission to the infant or in contracting the virus yourself. It has never been so important to, as now, to practice social distancing and to make sure that you are not subconsciously touching objects in public places and then touching your face or touching your baby's face. And just to remember as well that even if you're wearing gloves in a public place, you have to remove those gloves before touching yourself or touching your infant because the gloves can be contaminated from anything that you've been touching in an outside location. Good advice from moms and everyone else. Dr. Ferwerda, thanks again for joining us today. You've provided some great information that will really help keep moms and babies healthy. And I can tell you on a personal note, I found nursing to be very rewarding. The bonding I shared with both of my daughters during those first six months of their lives was really priceless. So getting my sleep when they slept was also key to staying rested. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a really special experience that you can share with your infants. I'm glad that I'm here to talk about it today. Thanks to all of our listeners as well. If you find this podcast helpful, share it on your social channel and check out our full podcast library for topics of interest to you at healthcaredistrictpodcast.org. Let us know what you think. Your review helps us reach more people just like you. And if you have a suggestion about a future podcast topic, have questions or some feedback, please call 561-804-4111 and tell us about it. 
Today's podcast is brought to you by the Healthcare District's federally qualified health centers, the C.L. Brumbach Primary Care Clinics. If you or someone you know could benefit from having a medical home, please call the Brumbach Clinics at 561-642-1000 to make an appointment for a medical visit, testing, medication-assisted treatment, or other services. You can also visit www.brumbachclinics.org.